Well, I'm doing something a, a little bit different today. Quite often when we have a big Sunday, and this is a big Sunday, I think we can recognize that, can't we? Uh, as a matter of fact, based on the crowd we had the last hour and how it compares to this one, I would say we're going to be close to 2,500 in worship today. So uh, you've been a part of a huge crowd worshiping the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And He's worth it. He is worth it. So a lot of times when we, when we know or we believe we're going to have a big crowd, I'll use that to start a sermon series. Well, if this is your first time with us, this is the unique part. I'm ending one today. You're, you're getting in on the end of something. As a matter of fact, I started a series on the Gospel of John back in May. So we have been working through the Gospel of John for, gosh, what is that, four or five months now. We've been working our way through that. And if John and the Holy Spirit have been successful then you are firmly entrenched in the faith, in the belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as a result of that belief, you have eternal life. That's John's goal. That's his purpose in writing the gospel. As a matter of fact, he gives us one of the most clear purpose statements in the whole Bible. He says, as a writer, this is why I wrote this book. And he says it this way in John 20, 31. He says, but uh, as I have written these things to you who believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you might have life in his name. That's why he wrote this book, that we would believe. So if you go back to John 1, you start reading every verse, you start reading every chapter, realizing this guy's building an argument. He's, he's building a case, giving evidence for why you and I should come to this belief. You know, as a part of our study, we looked at seven signs. John reveals seven signs that Jesus performed that reveal his power, power that no man has. It's the kind of power that only the Son of God could possess. And we walk through each one of those signs. You might remember them. We looked at Jesus change the water into wine. We saw him raise that boy that was just about to die to life and to health. He healed the lame man and the blind man. Remember when he fed the 5,000? He walked on water. And then we saw maybe one of the most dramatic miracles in the New Testament. He raised Lazarus from the dead, a man who'd been in the grave four days. Each of these signs points to who he is, reveals who he is. Each of these signs is evidence in our lives. John brought us another set of seven, seven I am's. These I am's are seven very powerful places where Jesus is saying he is God. In the Greek language, when he's saying that, he's saying, echo a me. And that phrase is equivalent to or synonymous with the Hebrew phrase Yahweh. In other words, those are seven places where Jesus is saying, I am that Yahweh that you know, that Yahweh, that personal name of God that was revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And in revealing himself as God, he says, and here's what that means to you. And he begins to unfold those seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Boy, folks, how many of us are in here today? How many needs would be represented in a room this large? You know what? Whatever your need is. 
Whatever you are looking for, it's found in one of those I am statements. It is found in Jesus Christ. Question is, do we believe? And that's John's big question. That's what he is working at. Belief is a big issue to John. You know, this book, 21 chapters long, he uses the word believe or belief 90, over 90 times. It is over and over and over. This book is about belief. He is trying to bring you and I there. You say, John, why, why is this belief so big for you? You know, it's not, not that big of a deal, but it is a huge deal. You know, for, for John, belief is a little bit different than quite often the way it is for you and I or the way we might use the word. You know, I can say I believe in something, and a lot of times all I really mean by that is I'm giving mental acknowledgement of that. You know, I, I can say I believe Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. I, I believe Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. You know, I believe that uh, Hawaii is in the Pacific Ocean. I believe all those things. Believe them all my heart. Don't doubt them a bit. Now, I didn't personally experience any of those things, especially Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I didn't personally experience that. I didn't personally observe that. But you know what? The evidence is there for me. I believe that. But that's it. It doesn't mean that much to my life. It doesn't change my life. None of those things. I mean, the fact that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, I didn't make any decisions this past week based on that truth. I don't anticipate doing anything this week based on that belief. I don't know that I ever have or or ever will. But you see, that's why John would say to us, it is in no way the same thing to say that I believe Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States and to say, and I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. You see, it's not just a mental acknowledgement for John. Belief is a life-changing thing. It's a belief that changes everything about me. It defines who I am, defines where I'm going, what I'm doing, and what is important to me. Folks, this belief defines everything about me every day. So you see, in John's mind, it's not just a mental acknowledgement. It's a real big deal. And that's why John brings us one piece of evidence after another to build this case in our life so that we see he is worthy. Folks, that's a key word. He is worth this kind of change. He is worth this kind of belief. And that's why John lines up these seven signs. These seven signs that reveal and point to who Jesus is. That's why he lines up these seven I am statements to reveal who and what God is for you. And today he brings us one last set of seven. And these other sevens, we walk through them by one by one. Each sermon got one sign, one I am statement. But today we're going to look at all seven witnesses at the same time. We're going to line them up almost like in a in a court of law fashion. You know, when you're in a court of law, very little is more significant than that eyewitness account, that eyewitness testimony. So in kind of rapid fire, we're going to see all seven of these witnesses this morning. So turn with me in your Bible to John chapter one. John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If there's not one right in front of you, probably two or three chairs. Either way, you should be able to find one. You just point to it. I know somebody will hand it to you. We want everybody to be able to look at God's Word as we study together. John chapter 1. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book in the New Testament. And we're going to begin, our first witness is found in verse 32. John chapter 1, verse 32. It says there, And John testified, I watched the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, The one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he's the one. He's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified he is the Son of God. This is John the Baptist speaking, our first eyewitness, John the Baptist. And he says, you know what? I didn't know who the Son of God would be. I didn't know what he would look like. But God came to me and God told me, I want you to be able to announce it. Here's the sign. Here's how you will know when you see him. And that's what John the Baptist is giving testimony to now. This is what God told me. This is what happened when I met Jesus. When he stepped into the water, I didn't know who he was. But by the time he got out of that water, God showed me the sign. And he is the Son of God. Now, you know, when an eyewitness is on the stand, a lot of times we're going to test whether this eyewitness can really be trusted. I mean, how do we know he's telling us the truth? My question would be, how do you know he's lying? You know, when somebody lies, there's usually a motivation for lying. Well, there's no motivation for John the Baptist to lie. He didn't gain anything out of this. As a matter of fact, in time, he's going to have his head removed. Literally, he's going to lose his head for his belief and his faith. So he didn't gain anything out of telling this. He's just telling the truth. I'm an eyewitness. This is what God told me to look for. That's who it happened on, Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. Let's look at our second eyewitness. We don't have to go very far. Our second eyewitness is down in verse 48. It says there, How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi, Nathaniel replied. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus responded to him. Do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. That's a pretty fair question by Jesus, isn't it? I mean, you do wonder why is Nathaniel kind of go so overboard because Jesus said, I saw you. I mean, I'm just guessing, it, you know, if I walked up to you today out in the concourse and said, hey, I, I saw you at Ucrops yesterday. I doubt you're going to fall on your knees and say, Randy, you are the son of God. That seemed a little awkward, wouldn't it? So why does Nathaniel do that? All Jesus said is, I saw you. Why does he give that kind of response? Well, to understand the response, it helps to understand a little bit about Jewish culture, a little bit about Jewish prayer. You know, when you and I pray, we tend to maybe be alone in our room. Maybe we bow by our bed or we have a chair or a desk that we sit at. Well, that's not necessarily how a Jew would usually pray. Usually they would go outside. They would go outside and usually they would stand. And I imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine what we've got going on here is Nathaniel has woken up, he's gone outside, he's on a walk that morning, and he pauses and he remembers he was standing next to a fig tree and he just stopped right there and he began to pray. And he talked with God that, in that moment about some things maybe you would talk with God about right now. Maybe something he was concerned about, maybe something he was angry about, maybe something he was excited about, but he, he stood there all alone. And he talked with God. And so now, I don't know, hours later, later in the day, when Jesus says, basically, hey, you know when you were there alone under the fig tree? With who? 
I was there. Nathaniel says, man, there's nobody there, but you, you are the son of God. Our second eyewitness. Let's go to our third one now. Chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 66. Yes, that means 666. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. It means it's chapter 6, verse 66. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, our third eyewitness here is Peter. He's a follower of Jesus. He's kind of the leader of the follower of Jesus, uh, of Jesus followers. This is not a surprise to us, is it? This doesn't come out as a big shock that, that Peter would stand up and say this. What I find interesting about this particular eyewitness testimony is the timing of it. You see, in the early part of Jesus' ministry, he had a little bit of a celebrity status. I mean, he'd walk into a town and thousands would show up to see him, literally just to touch him. Thousands. But it's not that way anymore. People are starting to fall away. They're starting to hear what he's saying, what he's calling for. And he's becoming kind of unpopular. And as people are going away, Jesus turns to his 12 and he says, are you going to leave too? And this is when Peter comes with his eyewitness account. I've listened. I've watched. There is nowhere else to go. You are the son of God. Our third eyewitness. Let's look at our fourth one. Chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 36. Now, this is Jesus. This is an important eyewitness. It, does, it is good to have the defendant actually speak. But you know where I've got Jesus there on the PowerPoint? I think what I should have actually put is Jesus slash his enemies. Would you think his enemies would give an eyewitness account to who Jesus is? Let me show you what's going to happen here. Folks, first of all, as we read this, I want you to look for this. You will hear people today. You will, you will read. You watch the History Channel and one of that wonderful bastion of truth whenever they talk about the Bible. And they'll say, Jesus never actually claimed to be the Son of God. That, that was something that his, his followers, people like John, you know, after Jesus had died, they came back, they wrote this story, and they put those words in his mouth. Did Jesus ever claim to be the Son of God? Let's read here, verse 36. Do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world because I said, I am the Son of God? Jesus did claim it. He did claim to be that. Let's keep reading it. Verse 37. If I'm not doing my father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Then they were trying again to seize him. Now, number one, Jesus does give testimony of himself. I am the son of God. But folks, look at how his enemies responded to him you know what there are people on the history channel say well we don't believe the bible there may be people in this room right now say i don't believe the bible i i i do think i think just john just wrote that just put those words in his mouth okay folks and you can close your bible you can say you don't believe the bible you still have a problem 
Because you can turn to Roman historical records, you can turn to Jewish historical records, and what you discover is that it is an historical fact that Jesus Christ was a man on this earth. It is an historical fact that he was crucified, and it is an historical fact that he was crucified for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. Folks, history, history, not just the Bible. History is an eyewitness to who this man claimed to be. They didn't believe it, but they killed him for it. Next time somebody says Jesus never claimed to be God, ask them why they put him on the cross. He claimed to be God. Let's go to our next eyewitness. It's chapter 11, verse 27. Chapter 11, verse 27. Very simple sentence says, yes, Lord. She told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. This is Martha. Jesus had some very close friends outside of the disciples. One set of those friends was two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Martha would have listened to Jesus talk, would have listened to his teachings. She more more than likely saw some of his miracles and she is now giving her eyewitness testimony. I believe, I know Jesus to be the Son of God. What's interesting is she's about to see the best miracle of her life. She makes this great proclamation of faith before. You say before what? On the next couple verses, Jesus is going to reach into a grave of her brother who's been dead for four days, and raise him to life. Well, isn't it exciting to see the proclamation, to see the eyewitness before the miracle? Not just because of the miracle, but before the miracle. Let's go on to our next eyewitness, chapter 20. What is this? Eyewitness number 6, I think. John chapter 20, verse 27. John 20, verse 27 says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you've seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. Now, Thomas is like Peter. He's one of the disciples. He's one of the the close ones. He's one that's walked with Jesus for three years. And when Jesus was crucified, he was crushed. As were all the disciples. He was crushed in spirit. He was crushed in hope. He'd given his whole life. He'd banked everything on Jesus. And now he was dead. As a matter of fact, he had lost his hope so much that when his best friends, the people he would trust the very most on this earth, When they came to him and said, Thomas, he's alive. We've seen him. He appeared to us. Jesus has been resurrected. You know what Thomas's response was? I won't believe. Boy, an an overwhelming life, an overwhelming evil. It can bring us to that spot, can it? It can bring us to the place where you know what? I, I can't. I won't believe. But now we see Jesus appear to him. And now Thomas gives his eyewitness account. I have seen him. He is God. Notice two things in this story. Notice what Jesus says to him. Don't be an unbeliever. A more literal translation of that phrase would be a very strong. The grammar here is very strong. Stop 
Thomas, listen to me. Stop your unbelief. I wonder, is there somebody in here today? Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you even feel like, man, God owes me an answer. I thought he was going to do this. I thought he was this. And now it just all seems to have come to nothing. And, and maybe we're even in the position to feel like God owes us an answer. And yet maybe what he would say to you today is stop your unbelief. And then notice this second thing here in, in verse 29. He says, Thomas, you've seen, you've believed because you've seen but you know what, Thomas, there's going to be people. There's going to be people like, say, maybe in 2008, 2000 years from now who didn't see me, but they're going to believe and they're going to be blessed for it. The eyewitness account of Thomas. And then our seventh and last eyewitness is the very next verse. And it's John, the apostle. We end where we Began, says there in verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written, these signs, these seven signs that I showed you, these seven I am statements that we've talked through and looked at, these seven witnesses you've just heard, these have been written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. John has built his case. He ends by saying, and now finally, I stand before you. I walked with him three years. I heard all the teachings. I watched all the miracles. He is the son of God. And now he challenges you and me today, the ones who didn't see. Will you, do you believe? Throughout this gospel, we are taught that by believing, some wonderful things happen in our lives. One is we're forgiven of all of our sins. Can you imagine that? Everything in your life, everything that you're ashamed of, everything that makes you feel guilty, everything that makes you feel dirty, everything that makes you feel bad, every bit of it can be washed, powerfully washed by the blood of Jesus. And the result of that is that you will be able to stand before God, not afraid, not ashamed, but with confidence is what the Bible says. And you'll be able to stand there with confidence because another result of believing is that you're adopted as a child of God. You're not going to go stand before God as an enemy. You're not going to go stand before God as a sinner, but as a child of his. Another result of believing is that his power and his presence comes and takes up residence in your life. Another result of believing is heaven, eternal life. We have a future. Do you believe? Now, remember how we started. It's a big belief. It's not a mental belief. It's not just saying, oh, yeah, I acknowledge Jesus. I mean, I'm American. Oh, you know, you got to believe in something. Yeah, that sounds as good as anything. No, folks, we're not talking about just simply acknowledging Jesus is up there somewhere. We're talking about a belief that changes everything about us. Every day. If you really do stop and think about that, you do want evidence. As a matter of fact, you may ask today, are, are, are there still eyewitnesses? Are, are there still people giving testimony to the amazing power? To the amazing love, to the amazing work of Jesus in people's lives? Are there still people today saying he is the son of God? Oh, there sure are. Would you hear and see our eyewitness testimony now?
You know, I know these cards. About 40 people up here. And every one of these cards is out there. Every one of you identifies with one of these cards. And you know, he has to be the son of God. Because I would never stand in front of a group of people and hold that card. But they stand here because of the power of Jesus Christ. They stand here today to say he is the son of God. And they join John. And they join the Holy Spirit. And they ask, will you believe? Would you today take a step of faith? Would you today come forward? Not necessarily with a cardboard. But would you come forward and say, I need Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I want to follow him in baptism. I want to be a part of his church. You know, we're coming now to a time in our in our church we call our invitation. And we invite people to do just that. To join a great army of witnesses who say, I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. If you would believe that today, if you'd want to talk with somebody and say, I'd like to know more about what that means. I think I believe that. I, I, I want to know more. I want to call you to take a step of faith. And while we're standing and singing, would you just come forward? There'll be pastors down here at the front and just tell them, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of his church. Well, we had people come forward last hour came to one of the pastors and said, I want to know that Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. You know, folks, this is a big day for us. You know what? The day means nothing but for that sentence right there. I want to know Jesus. And if you're in here today and that's you, as our congregation stands and sings, take a step of faith. Come forward to your Savior and to your God.